so that was the end of the hair part three and uh yeah it's a bit late mostly because of a miscommunication between me and a va but now they're back uh, now well i have a new va and he fit the role perfectly and he's gonna be voice acting for the deer from now on in the next parts but uh yeah again thank you this uh i appreciate you guys listening and see you at the other side I presume you took care of the locust, dear? Ujikina says, looking around the rather dull house that the deer was staying in. The deer was reputable for his calm manner, yet his posture and body language belied the rage he still felt for the battlefield beforehand. It seemed even during their current meeting he was more concerned with what to do with his weapon than her. What is it that you desire, Hare? He states coldly, glaring at Ujikina. It must also be noted that he, the deer was rarely seen without his armor, making him nigh impossible to read. Still, it was Uchikina's job to work alongside him, and by any means necessary, as she sought, defeat the emperor. The deer took his name from the protective nature of a stag for its herd, just as he protected the peasants of the field, and much like the fetid rat, was one of the most revered samurai, now turned ronin. Her eyes then shift staring at his weapon, which sat in the corner of the room. The deer, originally born as Jin Otanashi, to one of the single most prominent merchants in Japan. Both feared and renowned, they were almost idle figures to those they knew, and those who had simply heard the Otanashi name revered it. Eventually, having cemented their status, Jin's father wished to buy foreign wares to sell. Taking but a month to drop the plans, it wasn't long before Jin and his father were to head an expedition. Venturing across the ocean and making their way to Europe, the Otanashi merchants found themselves in France. While Jin's father worked his trade, the boy could roam the French lands at his leisure for a week, on the condition that he was escorted by three ranking samurai. The samurai who had accompanied him said that they had wished to see the mysticism and beauty they'd only heard secondhand from those who'd arrived at ports back at home. However, they'd recall their time with the young Otanashi, in France rather unpretentious, considering the task he had them undertake. Jin spent the entirety of his seven days observing the peasants of the field, hard at work. On their first day of travel, he had been on his way to one of the towns where a beautiful Catholic church was to stand. As the party of four embarked to their destination, he heard the clashing of metal and cutting of flesh. He watched with great interest as peasants, under attack by inebriated militia, fended for themselves using only farmers' tools. Proving shockingly effective, the militia was massacred, after which the peasants resumed their work. After such a sight, Jin was determined to learn as much as he could about how the peasants fought and bring it back to his home. His father had even bought him a book with techniques, though he never learned how to read French. By following the routines drawn in the book, he trained using custom-forged peasant weapons. Later in his life, he'd refused the position as his father's heir, letting a more business-savvy brother take his place, though it took great convincing. Jin would become a samurai under the Otanashi name, fighting for and protecting them as they needed it. His men were all equipped with farming implements, and should a village suffer after a battle, several men were to stay back and assist with reconstruction efforts. She had been told by many that the deer held absolute mercy in one hand, and in the other, a grim sense of mercilessness. 
After slaughtering the locusts, Uchikina thought he seemed to embody so much more of the cruel side she'd heard mentioned. He exuded this attitude and it hung heavy in the air between them. It then came as a surprise when he relaxed his shoulders. The dragon has become Emperor of Japan. He's sending his troops to kill us. I've spoken with the elephant. He says the dragon will be unrelenting in his pursuit of us. The locusts had informed me of this already, Hare. Now I'll ask you again. What is it that you desire from me? He spoke harshly, glaring at her from under his almost completely obscuring mask. To make his point, he places the helmet of the deceased samurai on the table. Dear, I ask for your help. The dragon's armies are far greater than any of our warbands. We need to eliminate him as soon as we can, before he cements his power. Now if you refuse us, let it be known that the Locust was only the first of hundreds that will be sent by the dragon. Day after day, we will no longer know a single restful moment that we won't have to worry for our lives. It was the Harris turn to speak harshly, not wavering against the man's palpable agitation. After a long-winded statement, she pauses for a moment, with the deer taking it in silence. Very well. I shall work alongside you for the sake of restoring the peaceable state of the provinces. Ichikinos burst out singing from some sort of praise. On the condition that we recruit one more ronin. At this, her heart sank. The deer's condition of another warrior meant more possible conflict, and prolonging the time the dragon could prepare for war. Who would you suggest we bring along? Not far from here in Echizen is the horse. I find that man rather skilled when it comes to cavalry, and I trust no one more on a horse than him. I understand that you may be anxious to defeat our new emperor as soon as possible, but it is critical that we are not caught unprepared. Whatever the elephant has told you, let it be known, his conflict is not your own. The elephant is free to do battle as he pleases, but I will not die because the brute wills that into being. His stern tone was more relaxed, implying that Uchikino was in fact in control now. She saw that, now they were somewhat acquainted, the deer had relaxed more. He took off his helmet, placing it next to the locust discarded piece. He then raises his hand, snapping several times before a soldier brings in a two ceramic cups. Another of his soldiers brings in an iron kettle, as well as a small wooden stand to keep it from damaging the table. Promptly after setting a few key ingredients out, the soldiers leave it to the two, once more sit alone in the room. The deer takes several dried leaves from a glass jar and places them into a chawan, grinding them into a fine powder. While this wasn't quite the right time or place, it was clear to Uchikina that this was the deer's own odd hospitality. Preparing some tea for the two to drink, it gave her time, however, to watch and thoroughly examine the deer's face. As expected of a man of wealth, he was quite handsome, with a well-structured face. In complete opposition, his facial hair was unkept, seeing as least a few days of growth. Jin's hair had grayed from the stress of battles and the winds of age. It was rather curious why he hid such a face from what was sure to be a cacophony of suitors. While she was distracted by his face, Jin poured her a cup of matcha tea. Then, after pouring his own, he waited patiently for her to taste it first. It was exquisite, conjuring a nostalgia and familiarity she came to know as a child. The Otanashi family was well regarded as both merchants and tea growers, with an emphasis on quality. 
It was only natural that the proper heir to the Otanashi Empire would drink such quality tea, even as he was masquerading among the peasants. I've come to understand that you were not too dissimilar to me in our origins. Your father was a man of wealth and esteem, a man quite skilled in his craft. In fact, my father had commissioned a few Tanigashima from him. My brother was quite fond of using them while hunting. Ujikino was surprised he even remembered her family. Yes, my father was in fact renowned for his work, though he was nowhere as esteemed as the Odanashi. The hare smiles while thinking of her father and having someone speak so highly of his work. It would have happened in due time, had he been left to his own. Though I heard plenty from your father, I never heard a word about your mother. The deer was just being inquisitive, but he had opened a wound not quite healed. The deer looks down, grimacing at the tea. She passed not long after I was born. Neither of us ever got to see each other's face before she died. My father talked highly of her, but I have only second-hand stories from my father. Supposedly, she was without a doubt the most beautiful woman in the world, according to my father. Seeing the glum state of the hair, Jin attempts to lighten the mood. I'd take his word for it. If she's anything like you, it can't be false. While the comment was flirtatious, she knew he hadn't meant it as such. A small smile came across Uchihina's face, relieving a bit of the tension. I suppose I'll settle for just that. She smiles, indulging herself further within the thoughts of the tea. Just short of a thankful exasperation, the deer inaudibly sighed, glad that he'd managed to relieve some of the tension. He'd hate for the party to have any bad blood between them so soon. He had one final task before they waded through the night to make their trip to the Etchison province. Would you like to spar with me, Hare? The deer stands up, walking to the corner of the room and retrieves a boken. He brings Ujikina a second one, laying it beside her spot at the table. Of course, but I'd prefer a tanto. Nodding his head in acknowledgement, he picks up a tanto bow. While she'd like to avoid fighting him, she happily took the weapon. She followed the deer outside and placed the tanto bow within a temporary Tanigashima she'd taken from one of her soldiers. The deer stands at the ready, holding a sword like an ordinary samurai. It came as a surprise, considering how unorthodox the man typically fought. But as it were, he looked like a traditional samurai. Curiously, he smiles at Uchikina, who is thoroughly examining him. I never thought you were familiar in Kenjutsu, she says, curiously assuming her fighting stance. My father made me study most combat arts. I just preferred fighting with a scythe. Now, let's resume. He doesn't wait any longer. Running forward, bringing a powerful slash, the hare uses the butt of the gun to block said strike. Then, proceeding to jump back, she takes an attack with the modified bayonet. The two fought each other ferociously, and since neither was using familiar weapons, each was taking and receiving blows, and they'd eventually consider the entire ordeal a stalemate. The two then proceeded to settle for the night, in anticipation of the next day and the journey ahead. Emperor Tatsuo, word has made it back about the fate of the boar and the locust. Both were killed by the ronin they were sent to hunt, and the status of the wasp is currently unreported. The servant says, bowing before Emperor Hapamoto Tatsuo, as he was in the middle of a meeting with the oligarchs. He lights a kasaru before uttering a chuckle. Then they truly did not belong in this empire. 
We have many more, and they will bring about the fall of those vagabond ronin. Rest assured, gentlemen, I will assure peace. No matter who stands in my way. His smile sent chills down the oligarch's spines, who knew that any refusal of his yet-spoken deals would bring their swift and painful ends. So this is the end of the hair story. Uh, I should explain better, I don't know if I explained initially better, but um, parts 1 through 3 are all that a character really gets. And so the rest follows other uh, characters' points of views, but you will see the characters reoccurring through their points of views and how they progress like that. So next up will be the deer uh, progressively, and so thank you so much for listening to the hair, and I hope you guys enjoy and see the next part three, uh, or three parts of the deer, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's it's going to be a learning experience, and it's definitely going to get better as we go, but. Hope you enjoyed, and Ironwood out.